Hello, and welcome to the We're Not Stump podcast. I'm your host, Mike Boland, and I'm a congenital amputee of the right hand. In this show, I will interview other amputees and allow them to tell you their incredible life stories. I'll also feature family members of amputees and others who support the amputee community, all in an effort to discuss the challenges and triumphs of those living with limb loss. So stick around and listen to inspirational stories and find out why we say we're not stumped. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the We're Not Stump podcast. My name is Mike Bolin, and today I have a really special guest on, Rachel Grow. Rachel has an amazing story. We were just talking for the last 10 minutes uh, before this podcast even started, and I got to know a lot more about her even during that time, and I just can't wait for her to share her story with all of you. So, Rachel, I'd like to start the podcast with, uh, with in your own words. So, let's hear the Rachel Grow story. Sure. So, I was born in Wiesbaden, Germany. And I was adopted by an American couple that was stationed there in the military. And they brought me back to the U.S. and uh, started working on my citizenship. And they immediately started taking me to the Scottish Rite Hospital in Dallas, which was a godsend. And they immediately started doing surgeries. I believe I was about three when I had my first one. And the first surgery was just to remove some little extra tiny nubs that were really just in the way. Mm -hmm. And that kind of just started the whole process. Um, I had probably about four or five different surgeries throughout my childhood to improve the usage of the fingers that I had left. And what is the, the term or the condition that you had? I know you said it earlier. Sure. So I was born with sembractodactyly, which is just a congenital amputation. Okay. And that's basically the same as, as what I have. It, it, different, obviously, but I'm congenital as well. And it's, uh, it's just interesting, you know, talking to other congenitals, because I think as we were corresponding, you were saying that you had really had never really talked to any other one, and which is a story that I already also have until I started the podcast. Is that true? As you grew up, you really didn't know anyone else kind of like you, if that makes sense? Yeah, I had never met any kind of congenital amputee. And as a matter of fact, I'd never met any other hand amputee. And as you know, there are very few hand amputees and the bulk of them are leg amputees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And when you said the condition, it made me look up some things on Google. And uh, I know there was a, a movie a few years ago that came out and had a little controversy to it. We talked a little bit more about it. Did that affect you at all? Or were you how did you feel about it? Yeah, I actually was really curious about all the media hoopla behind that. And for myself, I didn't understand um, so many people being offended by it. And for me, myself, I was not offended by it. And I don't genuinely believe people think that people with congenital or amputees are witches of any kind. Like that to me, it just seemed really silly. Yeah, I'd rather they let us prove we're witches than, than assume. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, of course. And that was, uh, it was called The Witches, if I'm not mistaken, Anne Hathaway. And, you know, uh, I felt the same way. You know, it was like, hey, it is what it is. No, no big deal. But again, that really was more, it wasn't missing a hand like I do. It really looked more like a condition that you have. So I can't speak for you. But I really like that. And one thing you said as we were speaking earlier, though, the, the fear that you had was you didn't want people to not come up and ask you questions because of something like that. Did, did you see that happening? Yes. When I was a lot younger, um, children and adults would ask me. And now as an adult, you know, we're in such a PC world that people try not to even look. 
which is super disappointing because I would rather somebody be curious and come ask me and then walk away educated than walking away not knowing anything at all. Yeah, I would agree. As yeah. you were growing up, um, what was it like? I mean, how, how did your friends accept you? Or you, you said you had a really good family as well. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, growing up, my parents were amazing. They always treated me like I was no different than any other child. Uh, I participated in every activity I ever wanted to. And I had a really great support system as far as friends. And, you know, I think it lends to my personality that I was never made fun of as a kid, at least not to my face. So I got very lucky in that aspect. What kind of activities did you do? Was it sports? Is that what you did? Um, growing up, I did a lot of gymnastics. Nice. I did dance. I even played volleyball, which is hilarious because I'm 4'10". <laughs> <laughs> I have no business playing volleyball. <laughs> hey. But I basically did anything I wanted. And matter of fact, after one of my surgeries, I had a whole bunch of pins all holding my fingers together. And I was in a cast. And my mom said she came outside and I was doing cartwheels in the front yard. And she said she about had a heart attack. And I think that is so hilarious. <laughs> oh, that is good. And you, you just showed <laughs> your hand. You, you recently had an accident of some kind, which there. Yes, yeah. I was in a car accident. And unfortunately, it broke the finger that I had had surgery on about a year ago or so. Oh, wow. And um, yeah, well, first of all, thank you for taking the time to be on the podcast it, 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 after an accident. That that yeah, really means absolutely. a lot to me. Um, and then anything else like growing up where you were, I mean, you said everyone accepted you. Well, you, you actually said something that I want to get back to. Um, if they made fun of you, you didn't realize it. And that's one of the things I think too, when I was growing up, it was more like, you can't make fun of me for something I actually like about myself. Go ahead and you say whatever yeah. you like. Is that kind of the way you felt too? Absolutely. I've always accepted my hand for what it is. It's no different than if I had blonde hair, brown hair, if I was, you know, I'm also short. So it's like, I don't have issues with that either. It's just who I am. Yeah, you And said my attitude has always been either accept me or don't, you know? Absolutely. I, I love what you said here. Uh, must've been more with a lot of fight because I've never let the challenges let me down and I've embraced them. And that's, uh, and it, I think it showed even in your professional life, you were, you have a really interesting background uh, being in, in films and movies and both on the front end and back end, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I actually got my start as an extra on um, Prison Break, which was a, a heavily scripted action type show. Um, and so instead of staying where the extras were supposed to, sitting in their little seats, I went all around the set, watched what everybody did, um, snuck a peek at all the action scenes and watched the stunts and stuff. And so that kind of guided me as to like what I would want to do in television. Excellent. And I'd love to see that episode. What episode is it? If you don't mind. I, uh, I, was, I was actually in, I think maybe Multiple. five or six episodes and it's um, season two of prison break. Season two of prison break. And then you, when yeah. you went behind the camera, I see you were on the crew of America's got talent amongst others. I'd love to hear more about that. Yeah, so I got super lucky. I was applying for shows and uh, America's Got Talent was looking for production assistance, which is like the low guy on the totem pole. And I applied not expecting to even get a call. And they needed so many people, they called me back. 
And funnily enough, um, they assigned me to be the um, note taker for the executive producer, which is not a gopher type position. (laughs) And I didn't even know how to do time code yet. I had no idea what taking notes were for a TV show. So I just did the best that I could. Um, I hope I did okay. But uh, that just it just snowballed from there, because once you have something big on your resume, it becomes really easy to start booking other shows. Okay, now I got to ask you, what is time code? Because I I don't know what it is. (laughs) Oh, so time code. Anytime you're filming, there's like a little timer going and it's on military time. Okay. And you would take notes based on exactly when the camera was rolling, what happened. And that way the editors can go back later or producers and find what they're looking for. Interesting. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. I wish I had someone yeah. like that help me with the, with this podcast. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> especially the live ones, I mean, I'll, I'll be like trying to go over notes and use my memory, which isn't as good as it used to be, by the way. But it, you know, one of the <laughs> things I read about you too that I really like, talk about how you, your mom tried to teach you how to tie shoes. I love that story. Okay. This one's probably my favorite success story, but uh, I was probably about five. I, I'm not sure when you learned to tie your shoes. But uh, my mom tried to teach me like a normal person would tie their shoes and it just was not working. And I was getting really frustrated, Um, but I'm very uh, strong willed. And so I took my shoes and I went outside and I did not come back inside until I had taught myself. And so I'm not sure how I did it because I was so young, but somehow I figured out how to tie my shoes, came back inside and was like, hey, check this out. And I tied my shoes in front of her. What was her reaction? Oh, she, her jaw was on the floor. Like (laughs) what? Wow. That's fantastic. (laughs) Um, And and as you got older and and went into the workforce and you talked a little bit about more uh, being behind the scenes and even in front of the scenes, any other challenges or any other, I I say challenges because we all have challenges in life. It doesn't matter whether you have one hand or two hands. Um, But I just mean more in the lines of, Hey, here's a challenge, but, It ended up being a success story. Anything you can share on that note? Sure. Um, Now, working in Hollywood, it is a very judgmental industry, and they judge you just as much behind the camera as they do in front of the camera. So, uh, you know, oftentimes when I would interview, sometimes you get lucky, it would be a phone call, and they would hire you off your resume. didn't matter. Uh, Oftentimes you would have to do like a Skype or a Zoom, and again, you know, I was able to get away with that. Um, But there were times that I would have to interview in person. And um, just so my hand did not become um, a factor in whether I got hired or not, I used to just, you know, wear a light coat, stick it in my pocket or just kind of wear a long (laughs) sleeve so it wasn't noticeable. And, um, you know, most times they didn't notice. And then when I would show up on set, everyone was like, what in the world? And so then... I had the chance to prove myself and then, you know, everything was fine after that. Yeah. And as we were talking earlier too, it seems like with you, success is really based on your attitude. You have such a positive attitude. Is that something you feel is very important for being a, Yes, yes. Positive attitude is just, it's paramount. Um, I feel like I was born with it and I never had an issue with my hands. And uh, it's carried me throughout my whole life. And I don't know that I would have been as successful as I was if I had not had, um, you know, that type A, go get them. Like, I never cared what anybody thought, didn't care about 
uh, people judging me. And I just went out there and kicked butt and kept going. Wow. I like what you said right there. You don't know whether you would have been as successful. And sometimes as I talk to other amputees, they wonder if they're going to be successful at all. So it's just a 180 degree different view of how your situation is. And I can tell you continue to, to live that right now. Is that true? Yes. Yes. I feel it's very important whether you're uh, you know, a congenital amputee, partial amputee, or, you know, you're in an accident, it's very important to be confident in who you are, be confident in your skills and let that drive the narrative instead of letting others, you know, snap judgments because all humans do it. It's built in us. Um, You know, let that drive your life instead of worrying about, you know, what other people think. It's that's a great point. And Speaking of point, I know that you have some prosthetics that were made by, if I'm not, I want to make sure I get it right, Ar- uh, Arm Dynamics with point design. Is that correct? Yes. Let me grab it. I brought, I have it right here. Oh, awesome. But so, while you're doing that, I was showing you that my old one, I do this almost every episode where, hey, there's my old one right oh, here. Here's my old prosthetic. But anyway. Sorry, I'm trying to get rid of this uh, meeting is being recorded. <laughs> Oh, so you're having a problem taking a uh, being able to see? Yeah. Yeah, we, we can see it fine. So as, as long as you throw it in front of the okay. camera, I think we're good. Okay, great. So wow. this wow. is my prosthesis. Yeah. It's a, it's a hybrid between a passive and wrist-driven. And the passive is it's a little hard one-handed, but you mm-hmm. uh, physically put the fingers. Around what you're trying to grab? Into place. Wow. So it's on like a ratchet system. Okay. And then um, the wrist driven part, again, I'm one handed here, allows me to open and close the hand by moving my wrist so I can pick up and drop items. Wow. And the outside is carbon fiber. The inside is silicone. And then the fingers are titanium. You were saying, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, and the interesting part is uh, because my hand is so unique. Um, my thumb became no longer my thumb. So they actually put the thumb on the bottom of my palm. So oh. it's more like a claw grasp and okay. it has made all the difference in the world. And it's a little, you know, off putting cause it's in the wrong. Uh, I lost you a little bit there. It's, it's a little off putting. Yeah, it's kind of hard to show. Oh, yeah. It's just it's a little off putting because my thumb is down here on the palm, but I've adjusted to it well and it's actually extremely helpful. Yeah. You're saying that there was a lot of thought, for lack of a better term, that went into the design of that. They spent a lot of time from from what you said earlier. Yeah, it took about, I'd say, maybe five, five and a half months to get it correct. Um, But it is a one of a kind and they are writing a medical paper on it. So I'm hoping. Yeah, I'm hoping this will maybe change the way prosthetics are made for um, congenital amputees because uh, very often they just tell us you can't have one. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, my surgeon had told me, oh, you can't have a prosthesis. That won't work for you. And I don't take no for an answer. So <laughs> I did my own research and um, I started looking. I obviously wanted the best of the best because, you know, if you're paying for it, you better make it good. <laughs> and um, and I found Arm Dynamics. And um, originally I had looked at naked prosthetics, but I don't have enough residual fingers to use their product. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and also their fingers were too large for my hand. I have a very tiny hand. Uh, so when I went to Arm Dynamics, they um, introduced me to Point Design Digits, which was a total life changer, game changer. I was like, Excellent. that's it. That's it. I don't need to see anything else. That's what I want. And they make small fingers. So it was capable for me to have them because that's the biggest issue is making fingers that are small enough for people like myself. Interesting. And you had said something as you were talking about that, about the five months. And one thing I've learned in talking to other amputees, especially, I should say, really probably more targeting people that either had an accident or some kind of medical condition, the process of getting a prosthetic is not, hey, you go in to to your appointment one day and you get your prosthetic the next. That can really stretch out over time. And it seems like with your story, that time was well invested in what you needed. Oh, absolutely. And of course, just like with any accident, you know, mine was a surgery. So of course you have to be healed first. You can't have any swelling. There can't be any issues that has to be ready to go before you can even start doing the fitting, which can be very frustrating for people because sometimes that can be months or, you know, even years or more before your hand, if you have to have skin grafts or any of that sort or have other fingers amputated afterwards. Um, that's also very common in people that have accidents is throughout the process, they realize they have to lose another finger and then you have yeah. to reheal before you start again. Yeah, um, that is a journey in itself. It really is. And I had no idea how long it could take to do the prosthesis. Um, and since mine was so complicated, that's why it took a little longer, but it was well worth the wait because they made it perfect. It fits perfect. You know, I can use it to do absolutely anything. It's amazing. Yeah, you lift with it, all that, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, there's nothing I can't do. And as a matter of fact, I can do more now than I could before I had the prosthesis, which is super exciting. Oh, that is fantastic. You know, yeah. <laughs> as I talk to other congenitals, especially, um, it seems like with the compensation that we have to have our whole life, we start to get a little bit of, a, I don't know, overuse injuries in our good side. Is that something that you ever have experienced or are experiencing? I actually am. And I have osteoarthritis in the same thumb that I had to have surgery on in this oh, hand. Wow, wow. So I'm having to be extremely careful. Um, yes. I'm seeing my hand surgeon and a rheumatologist and you have to be very cognizant of overusing it because yeah. you don't want to end up losing the other hand as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I have arm, elbow problems, little shoulder problems. It's just overuse is what yep. it is. So. Yeah, I have tennis elbow. I have shoulder issues. And so you just you have to be very cautious and be very aware of, you know, the way you're using, not you know, the hand that doesn't wear the prosthesis. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it went, yeah. something you, you had written that I said, I told you I was going to bring this up. I thought it was a very interesting <laughs> story. Um the biggest challenge was figuring out what to do with the three extra fingers that you spent your whole life with only two. That's an interesting perspective. You, so you get this prosthetic, you have extra fingers, which normally I think most people think, oh, you're, you're good to go. But you kind of have to retrain the way you're thinking. Is that correct? Yeah, you basically have to uh, retrain your brain because not only are you trying to, you know, figure out how many clicks you need for each little movement, or to pick things up. Now I have extra fingers that I've never had before. And I'm like, wait, what position would I even put that in? I have no idea. 
So I feel like for me, there was a little extra learning curve with the prosthesis just because there were the new additional fingers and what do you do with them? <laughs> but yeah. I've actually had a really great time learning all the different little clicks to pick up this or that, or, you know, you go, Oh dang, you know, it's not tight enough of a fist. So you got to go back down or you do it too tight and you go, Oh dang. And you got to, you know, pop it back up and start over again. So I've actually enjoyed the learning process. Um, I love challenges and this is just another challenge, except it's really cool technology. So it is really cool. It I, is. It's point amazing. Design, what yeah. Yeah. Point designs has really changed the game as far as these fingers go. Um, and you're no longer stuck with just like a silicone fake hand that does nothing. Um, they do make myoelectrics, which, you know, yeah. there's a lot of failure rate with that. Um, I didn't know that. The maintenance costs are expensive. They can only be maintenanced by your, pro, you know, your prosthetist. So if something goes wrong with it, you can't just fix it and move on. So for me personally, I really love the point design digits. They're uh, titanium, so you cannot break them. <laughs> <laughs> even, and if you try. even if you try, <laughs> and, you know, the frame is carbon fiber. So wow. that's not really going to break either. And, you know, for someone like myself, who's a small statured woman, it's also built in self-defense, which I love. You know, if somebody ever tries to come after me, they are never getting past this. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> so as a, as a, in addition to that use, what other ways do you use that? Like when you click it around, I, I'm trying to think of it, like if you're using a shuffle, I don't know. I, I really, I'm just trying to visualize in your life. Yeah. So uh, I'm a big time gardener. I love to be able to feed myself organic veggies. So I'm really, really into gardening. So it helps. Um, and I do a lot of stuff in pots uh, just because you can contain the environment better and yeah. make sure you don't have diseases or pests on your entire garden. So it allows me to be able to pick up the pots now, which is so great. Wow. Yeah. 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 And I can carry heavy bags of soil. I can carry big yeah. things of water. You know, it's really up my gardening game for sure. I was just throwing out shovel. I didn't realize you were a gardener. I was just throwing something out. And look at that. That's exactly. Seems like there was a good use case for that as well. Oh, yeah. I've been gardening for, gosh, probably 22 years now. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Yeah. I really love to do my own vegetables. You know, you go to the grocery store and you're like, ah, it all looks terrible and it's $5. And it's like, you know, you can, I can feed myself for a dollar packet of seeds. So oh, yeah, really good point. Not only that, they look very big and you're like, how did they get those to grow that big? Anyway, that's a whole nother, we'll <laughs> yeah, do another yeah, podcast. When I, on. <laughs> yeah. When I first started gardening, I was like, I'm doing it wrong. Everything's so tiny. And it's like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Something else is there. But again, that's a, that's a podcast for probably another person or somebody <laughs> certainly more educated than I am on that. You know, you, you also wrote something to me earlier that I thought was excellent in public. People would stare, but I'd never let it bother me. And I think that's a, that's a powerful statement. Because we all, well, first of all, you said earlier, even in, in this podcast, that we're all human, right? And, and, and we're just kind of curious. I, the way you said that, though, I think it's so powerful. And I think people need to hear those types of things. You want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Um, yeah. Growing up, I never let it bother me. 
Um, and when I was younger, you know, I grew up in the eighties. Um, it wasn't as quite a PC world as it is now. And, and people would stare and, and oftentimes mostly small children would ask. And I was always really quick to just, you know, tell them what it is and tell them how I can do everything that they can do also. And it was a little disappointing to me because parents would be like, Shh, don't ask, don't, you know, don't do that. That's yeah. rude. And I would tell the parents, it's absolutely not rude. And I would much rather your child be educated and walk away knowing instead of walking away with, you know, the attitude yeah. of you should never ask anyone about anything ever. Yeah. Having the conversation, I think is powerful. Would you agree? It, it very much is. And children are very understanding. They just want to know what's going on. And once you explain it to them, they're like, oh, okay, cool. And that's that. Yeah. And sometimes they'll ask further what you can do with it. But I do think it's very important. And, you know, I want to get it out there for other amputees or congenital um, yeah. amputees that it's okay for people to ask. They are curious yeah. and we should be willing to answer those questions. Now, if they're rude, they get the shark bite answer. So if somebody's <laughs> rude to me and is like, I've had people say like, what's going on with that? You go, oh yeah, I was attacked by a shark while I was in Florida. And you just walk away leaving them dumbfounded and you know. Wow, I've actually used that same line myself. Wow. <laughs> That is <laughs> <laughs> when well, I used to live in Florida, so it worked oh. out really well. <laughs> yeah, me in Arizona, I was like, wait, how, how did that happen? <laughs> For you, uh, you'd probably have to say California. <laughs> yes, I uh, went to California, I was hanging out and uh, came back missing a hand. It is what it is. <laughs> but again, it seems like your attitude is what brings you forward. Is, is there any, any kind of advice you'd give someone, maybe a new amputee? Because we have a few years of experience as being congenitals. Anything, any kind of advice you could give? Yeah, um, obviously amputees are, you know, polar opposite from us congenitals. But um, I think acceptance is the biggest key. And you have to get past that first before you can achieve anything else. And, you know, you have to accept that it is what it is and make the best of it and um, do your best to just improve your scenario the most that you can. And most of that comes from self-education. Um, a lot of surgeons will tell you, oh, we can't do anything or, oh, just accept it. And, you know, you need to do your research, um, meet others, see what others are doing. And there's so much going on out there, especially with technology. It has changed so much in the last 10 years. So people aren't stuck like they used to be. You don't have to have just a fake silicone hand that's there for looks. You mentioned uh, having groups and, and you're doing that. I think now are you speaking to other people in your scene? Yeah, I'm yeah. in a, um, a APT group that is held through Point Designs and it has been extremely helpful. Um, I feel comfortable where I'm at, but I really enjoy seeing where everyone else is at. Uh, we discuss the issues that we deal with, nerve pain, um, things like um, what type of mittens or gloves you can wear. You know, we, uh, we really do like troubleshooting. And it's been extremely helpful to me to meet other people, especially like you said, you don't meet them very often. So to have an entire group that understands what you're going through and you can bounce ideas off each yeah. other, um, it's just extremely helpful. 
Like um, we've been discussing putting Apple air tags on our prosthesis uh, because, you know, they are so expensive. And for most of us, the insurance didn't pay for it. Yeah. Well, they're, they're extremely hard to get insured in the first place. Um, I'm still trying to look for insurance for mine. And when you're talking about a hand that costs 40 K you really want to protect that investment. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That, that's, a, I never, I would have never thought of that. That is a fantastic idea. And I think just yeah. being able to talk to others though, and, and being able to share where your art, where you are at in your journey and they're at, I think it's just a, a positive experience. It is. And um, an example of how helpful this actually is, uh, Point Designs has now started their own fabrication and uh, they have now created fabrications where they can slip a pocket to put your Apple AirPod in. And so because of our conversations, they are now changing the way that they're making things, which, you know, at the end of the day helps us. So yeah. I find it extremely helpful. What a powerful statement that is. I mean, that's listening to the user, the end user, and they, they, they took that feedback and actually incorporated this. Fantastic. First of all, both sides. Oh, absolutely. It's helpful to us because we bounce ideas off each other. Yeah. And at the same time, the prosthetic company gets to improve their product because we let them know what works, what doesn't work, what kind of problems that we encounter with their products. And uh, they're just getting better and better. That's fantastic. And it, yeah. it, it looks like a. have seen a couple of them. They look absolutely amazing. And in person, oh, they, they, they look awesome. even more amazing. They are awesome. And I myself am a huge fan of the Terminator movies. And so when I saw those fingers, I was like, yes, you know, you know, I immediately it, went out and bought a Skynet t-shirt. Like I had to. <laughs> I interviewed someone uh, a couple podcasts ago that you may know, Angie Co. Does that name sound familiar? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Her and I are friends. Yes. Yeah. She's fantastic. And she said something she that I just, I, I love the way she said this. She goes, uh, as she's met more amputees because hers was from an accident. She goes, amputees are badass people. Something along those lines. If, if people are mm -hmm. listening, please go back to that podcast and listen to it because I can't remember the exact quote. But I just thought that was a, an amazing way to think about things. And I would agree. And do you agree with that as well? Oh, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, we don't have a choice. You either um, accept it and excel yeah. or you fall behind. And it's up to us to make that choice. I met uh, someone named uh, Jennifer Johnson, JJ Jennifer Johnson. She was on a podcast with me and she's a, she's a above knee uh, bilateral amputee. And she oh, wow. has that same attitude. She scuba dives. She does so much. And she has the same attitude. Hey, I'm, I'm going to do the time. I can either do it. I, I wish I could remember her quote. I, I'm going to do the time. I can either do it happy or sad. And I'd rather I choose. Happy. Exactly. And she was just an amazing person. Her and Dan Moses, I got to interview and he's a below knee uh, amputee on bilateral. And they're just two peas in a pod, two funny <laughs> people. And I, they actually live in Arizona. So we've gotten together a few times just to shoot the, you know what? And we, we've oh, that's awesome. Great people. I, I have met so many great people. Uh, through trying to start this podcast and, and getting to know you and, and Jeff Solberg is another great person. Uh, Nicole Kelly. I mean, it, it's just an amazing group of people, including yourself. And I just thank you so much for taking the time after an accident to come on to this podcast and tell us a little bit about more, more about you and your attitude that makes you successful. 
Yeah. I mean, I love sharing my story with others and, you know, it's important for us amputees, but it's also important for the general public to understand that, you know, we're not just laying in bed feeling sorry for ourselves. We're going to get out there and we're going to rule, you know, the world with our carbon fiber and titanium. <laughs> you know. Wow. That's <laughs> true. That's, we're not, you're right. We're not just lying in bed. I love that. That's, that's a very powerful statement. Yeah, and I'm actually hoping to learn some new things, maybe pick up new hobbies now that I can do more than I could do before I had the prosthesis. So, you know, the world is your oyster. It's just what you make of it. Well, maybe you could pick up juggling. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I'll never do <laughs> I, that, but. <laughs> I'm actually really into Frisbee, and so oh. I really want to learn how to catch it with my left hand. So we're. Oh, you got a video of that. If you get that going, I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'm working on that. And uh, a friend of mine's son is a Taekwondo instructor. And so I've never punched anything ever in my entire life. You know, I'm a little tiny girl. <laughs> and so I thought with this hand with my hand on, you know, hey, let's give it a go. So he pulled out the mitts in the bag. And, wow. you know, I could I could punch with some really good force with my with my prosthetic hand on. And, um, you know, it just kind of triggered something in my brain of like, well, if I can do that, what else can I do with it? So, I, you know, I've kind of made it my challenge to, you know, get out there and do things I've never done before or couldn't do before and just see trial and error, see what I can do with this awesome hand. You're not going to, you have to try before you fail. So I, I, I am with you 100%. I can't wait to see what you're going to start doing. Anything well, else? I'm, or not, it... I'm not afraid of failure. Like, you know, I don't let yeah. failures get me down. They're an everyday thing that everybody has to deal with. Absolutely. So you have to accept your failures just like you do your successes. That's how you learn. Yeah, it's a teachable moment. If yeah. you mess up and don't do it right, then you know what to not do next time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What, what else? Is there anything else you'd like to, to add? I mean, I, th I think we can go on forever. But I don't want to take your time, especially. <laughs> I know that I, I just appreciate the time you've given me. I really do. So thank you for that. But yeah. any, anything else you're working on? Anything else we'd love to hear from? Um, really, it's just, you know, I, I would love for other amputees to know that you can go out there and do anything that you want. Um, I had an amazing career in television and was able to work my way up to producer, which I never thought would be possible. And um, the fact that I was able to conquer Hollywood is the biggest success I could have possibly had in my opinion. So I feel like I've achieved, you know, a lot of my goals. As a matter of fact, I've achieved so many that I'm having to create new ones. So that's fantastic. We'll see what's next. Yeah. I'm really excited. And I'll, and I'll, tell you this now with your background as a producer, I was a little intimidated coming on because <laughs> I talk about trying things and maybe failing. This is something I just wanted to always do and I'm trying it and uh, so far so good, but. Well, you're an amazing host. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but having a professional on like you are, it was like, oh boy, <laughs> I better be on my top of my game today, so. <laughs> well, and that's, I felt the same way, except, you know, opposite. Like I felt like, oh man, I got to perform. <laughs> and you did. And I thank you so much. Uh, thank you for your time again. And, you know, best of luck, for lack of a better term, in your recovery. Yes. Um, and, and hopefully we can revisit once I can put this bad boy back on. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to hold you to that. How's that sound? Okay. I'm in. Rachel Grove, thank you so much for being on the We're Not Stump podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. 
Hot Stump Podcast, hosted by Mike Bowler. If you want to be a guest on the program, reach out to Mike at his email address, mike at mikebolin.com. This podcast is produced by One Hand Man Productions. If you are looking to start your podcast, go to onehandmanproductions.com.